Dragon the Peg is recorded in Treaty 1 territory, the traditional territory of the Anishinaabeg, Cree, Oji Cree, Dakota, and Dene peoples, and on the homeland of the Métis Nation. Welcome to Drag in the Peg, a podcast series exploring the lives and careers of drag performers living in Winnipeg, Canada. My name is Graham Houston, and I'll be your host. There are a few performers in the city that, whenever they hit the stage, remind me of why I started doing drag. As soon as the lights come on and the track plays, they own the room, and it doesn't matter how polished or beautiful they are, or how many hours they've put into rehearsing. They just have a magnetism that commands every eye in the club. For me, no queen evokes that power like today's guest. It certainly helps that she's one of the most gorgeous queens I've ever seen, polished to the nines. I literally can't count how many times a straight girl in Club 200 has leaned over to me and said, I want to be her. Her drag is an absolute force to be reckoned with, and she's not afraid to share it. Few queens have been as welcoming to new performers as her, passing out spare nails and lashes to fledgling dragoons whenever she can. But if I were to go on about how much this queen's done for me and every other performer in the city, this intro would never end. So without further ado, I'd like to welcome the mother of the House of Beast and the sole heir to the Crab Shack, Foxy Beast. Hi, I'm Foxy Beast from Winnipeg. I'm an older lady who likes to have fun and a good time. She's a little loud, proud, sassy, kind of a juice bag. Just kidding. Juice bag? What's a yeah, juice bag? Juice bag girl. She likes to sip on those fish bowls, you know? She's oh. a sipper. <laughs> so thank you for joining me for 2.0 of our interview. Oh, 2.0. Thanks 2.0. for having me. You are one of the few people that I asked to re-interview alongside Peppermint Fatty and Stara David because Slunt hadn't existed before I interviewed her. Oh, I guess not, eh? No. There are so many changes. And I just, I feel like I know you better now than when I did interview you. <laughs> I think I know you a lot better, too. I didn't even know what you looked like the first time. And I was like, oh, who am I meeting? This what is this going to be beautiful blonde like? lady. Who is this frizzy blonde person I'm talking to? <laughs> did you say frizzy? No, I didn't. She needs a haircut. I mean, I, I didn't know a lot of queens before I interviewed them. But now that I know you and I know your impact on the drag scene, I just felt like I wanted to have you back. I wanted to dive oh. deeper. What impact do I have on this scene? You have a huge impact, but we'll get into that later because right now I want to start at the beginning. Tell me about your life growing up. (laughs) Oh my goodness, that's a long story. Yeah, straight from birth. That is like a 5 a.m. in the morning conversation. Then give me the 5 p.m. at Wednesday. Oh, my life? Sure. In general? Yeah, tell me me where you grew up. Tell me how you grew up. Oh my goodness. Where did you get where you are now? I grew up... Many places. I grew up across Canada, spanned as far as uh, Ottawa from a young age, all the way to the west coast of BC. So Surrey, Chilliwack, and back here. I've lived in Saskatoon for some time. So I've lived up north, northern Manitoba in the Interlakes with my family. Yeah, she's been some places. Funky. So how'd you get to Winnipeg? Oh my goodness, I was born here. And I love it. Do you? I actually do. Like, this is home. Really? I always come back home. <laughs> so then you've seen everything from East Coast to West Coast. What? I have not seen the East Coast yet. Okay, well, uh, Middle East Coast. <laughs> is that uh, what Ottawa. we're calling it? Yes. Ottawa to Ottawa. BC. <laughs> Ottawa to Vancouver. What is it about Winnipeg that's special to you? It's 
home to me. It's where my grandpa's from. It's where my all my family is. I've just got a lot of connection here. No matter what, it's just there's something so comforting about being here. But, but I think okay. it's the people here. I think there's something special about them. Maybe there's something special in everybody. You just gotta find it. That's very poetic. Tell me about your family <laughs> growing up. Oh, my family's heinous. Heinous. Yes, I have five siblings, three nephews. Four dogs. Goodness. Yeah, they're all pretty cool. I'm the oldest of unquestionable age of 29 plus. So so you keep in contact with your family? I like to try from time to time. Again, I actually, I didn't say this, but my grandfather actually raised me most of my young adult life there. Really? My young, my teens and into the start of my young adult life until I moved out at 19. So... So then, how did you get involved in drag then? How did I get involved in drag? I went to a gay bar. I went to Geo's when I was 19 with my friend Ashley, who I went to elementary school and high school with, on and off through the years of my travel. Great gal. I, do you know Ashley? I don't. No, I'm Ashley like Ow. Amazing. I, oh, I think you might actually A lot of faces, a lot of names, and I'm very dumb. <laughs> so I remember few. That's a lie. <laughs> I went with Ashley to Geo's and I was sipping on it was there just so happened to be a drag show that one Friday or Saturday night. I can't remember. It's been years. And I was being good. I was driving. So I was just drinking cranberry juice and of course cranberry juice is a cure for something and the drag queens all picked on me on mic the whole night <laughs> yeah so that was wonderful that was my first encounter with being made fun of at a bar by a bunch of queens and since then here i am what is it 10 years later so did you just like keep going back and keep knowing them? That is exactly it. So I just kept going back. It was just infectious to me. Like I enjoyed myself and I got to know them one by one more and more. And China White became my first drag daughter, which was the very first person that actually made fun of me drinking said cranberry <laughs> juice. She even makes fun of me to this day about it. So, wow. Yeah. So beyond Ch or besides China White, do you remember any of the other queens that were performing? Oh, Lita Tequila was the other host, funny what? enough, right? So Miss Club 200 herself that time. Oh my God. Yeah, I was hosting a show with China, and again, her as well made fun of me. Had a great <laughs> time, and now Lita's my partner, and <laughs> it's just amazing how life turns out, hey? That's insane. One encounter will change your life. One. One encounter. <laughs> so how, what, what, when was the first time that somebody painted you, or when was the first time that you got into drag yourself? So like I said, it's my 10th year, so what are, my, minus 10 years from this year, September 29th, <laughs> <laughs> was the first time I got painted in drag, and I think it was a red ball. So I wore a red wig, and it was half-assed. My makeup was not where it is today. I'm not saying it's any good right now, but it's a lot better than what it was. And uh, China and Lita both tag-team painting my face. So China helped me with my eyes, and Lita came over and contoured me, and we kind of just hodgepodge an outfit and a red wig, and there I was. Wow. Foxy was born. Was that the first time that you performed as well? That was not the first time I performed. I performed my first time maybe a month after. I was doing a couple, like, a couple gigs. I was getting in drag, just having fun with it. And then one day, me and China were in drag driving to one of Lita's shows at Club 200. And she was like, okay, girl, pick a song off this CD. You're performing tonight. 
pick any song. I don't care. If you're going to do drag, you're going to be on stage. And of course, me, I was shaking my boots, <laughs> which was funny enough. Also, my drag last name way back when. Foxy Boots. Foxy Boots. Foxy Boots. Yeah. Oh, she's gone through some evolutions. She's like the Pokemon <laughs> of drag. Ah! I know, right? <laughs> so my very first song I performed was Absolutely Everybody. I knew it like the back of my hand. It was on one of China's CDs, and I think it was also one of Brianna Burlesque's songs she used to like to perform way back when too so keep it in the family right wow mm-hmm. and what was that experience like performing for the first time uh, <laughs> terrifying i think i did a little bit too much tequila and yeah. i had the greatest time but now i had a stage and I, I no fear i'm just excited i'm more nervous to do it and i just want to entertain and like yeah the person i was when i started is not who i am today but wow. You can't grow unless you start somewhere, right? Mm-hmm. And you are so confident <laughs> all the time. I mean, I feel like half of like my favorite performances of yours weren't even necessarily things that were like a formal part of a drag show. It was just dancing with the audience. Oh, are you that confident out of drag as well? It depends on like my surroundings. If I know the people and like I'm in my home base for sure, but. Probably like some other people, you get into a new situation and you just, I like to scope out the area. I like to know who's around. I like to know my P's and Q's, what I can't say, what I can say, kind of get a lay of the land. Mm -hmm. And then, I mean, a cocktail or a glass of wine in, take a little (laughs) pin out of that French twist and I'll get comfortable with you. Yeah, you're always like bustling around talking to people at the tables and stuff. It's, yeah, I'm an entertainer. It's a part of my job, and it's something I take pride in. I will definitely make you feel comfortable if you were in my home, and I want you to come back and see what I do, as well as everybody else that's coming and sharing their craft. I like to inspire. At the Drag in the Peg show, I was there really early, and I was talking to somebody. I don't know who it was. I think it was a baby queen, though. And I was like, what do I do? And they're like, go talk to people. And I was like, no, I think I'm too scared to. And they're like, well, you're going to come off like a bitch. So pull a foxy and go chat up the audience. <laughs> Who said pull a foxy? I wonder. It's a pull a foxy. That's true, though. Alan said when I won Miss Club 200, one of his things was have as many shows as you want, do the required shows, but ultimately you'd want to inspire somebody to take over when you step down. So inspiring everybody around you, you never know what the outcome can be. So always kind of keep that in the back of your mind. You don't know who you could touch or who's going to be the next Miss Club 200 or the next next new face in the town, right? You're going to give me this? Oh, my buttery voice again. Hi. <laughs> uh, Come on back around. Don't apply for me. That's a man. Just my voices. Where's my co-host? Hi, I'm Foxy. Foxy. Hey. Foxy. You guys excited for Drag Race? Absolutely. Well, that's stupid. Valentina went home, so I'm kind of pissed and boycotting it. (laughs) But I'm here. How long does it take you to get ready? (laughs) What, like, face, beat, or just like... Full drag. Like, starting to out the door. Depends on the look I'm doing and how much time I got, but I like to give myself at least a two and a half hour window, but I can get it done... In an hour. Wow. That's so speedy. I've been doing this 10 years. Like, I've kind of perfected. (laughs) And I've mapped out my face really well and my technique that I understand what I need to get done. Were you 
into makeup or even performing for that matter before you started doing drag? Yeah, I actually worked at Sephora. So wow, I was the first person, the, one of the first guys to open the first Sephora way back when. Was it 2008? God, I don't even know now. I feel so old. <laughs> Who cares? Um, yeah, no, I started working at Sephora, and Sephora really inspired me to like play with a lot of makeup and just do a lot of things. It was great. It was a great opportunity. And actually, when I first started coming around to Geo's, they used to call me the Sephora boy. <laughs> all, all the queens used to, I make good friends with them. They'd come visit me at work. Yeah. Give them discounts, samples, whatever they needed <laughs> for the weekend. A squirt of foundation into the palm <laughs> of your hand. Right? Try this new eyeshadow. <laughs> scrape it and just make a little sample for them. And off they went. And 2008, I feel, was before kind of like the YouTube Instagram era when makeup became so easy to pick up and also before it was like really common for men to wear makeup. So how did you pick it up? Mm, there was actually one YouTuber that I really like to watch. Uh, Petri Lude. I don't know if it's he still does. She still does anything online anymore. But me and my friend Sharla used to watch his makeup looks. And they were just avant-garde and so creative and that kind of inspired me a lot to kind of push myself and do a little bit more. And I'd always show up at the bar with like crazy liner and <laughs> a butterfly on my face. There's a picture of me and Vita way back when, and I've got this half butterfly on my face. That's so just like a nice color melt of a sunrise. It's actually really cute. Do you ever get tired of getting into drag or performing? <laughs> Not really. No, honestly, I love what I do. What did I do? I did five shows, what, last week, the week before, and for a second, I'm like, oh my goodness, I just need, like, a week off. But then my mind is always, like, I hear the next song, and I'm instantly, like, putting it to a number, or, like, I see a look that somebody else is doing, and I just want to transform it into my own, or some kind of way the drag is always affecting me. So, no, I'm never really tired of it, and I don't think I will be anytime soon. Foxy's going nowhere. No, I've got too many little ones. To you could say you could say she's almost Foxy. Oh no! Wait, no, no, not almost. Always Foxy. She is always Foxy. Oh, she's almost Foxy. No, she's tattooed on her chest. Always. <laughs> so always Foxy. When did you get that tattoo? Um, I got that when I moved back from Saskatoon in 2014, 2015. Because there was a good like. I guess I'd say almost about a year I took off from doing drag. I moved up north. I just recollected myself. And then from living with my family, I moved to Saskatoon and did six months there. So I didn't do too much drag. And I kind of just lost a piece of something I really enjoyed, an art. Like It's like my left arm was missing. My right arm, whichever. <laughs> and kind of missing that part of yourself. You don't realize until it's gone and then how do you get her back so I came back and I got always foxy tattooed on my chest because I knew that that's the person this drag persona is a part of me and kind of makes me me and vice versa for her I'm sure kind of just got me lost in thought now no that was beautiful can I ask you a question that might be personal you don't have to answer it if you don't want to mm -hmm. did your grandfather ever get to see you perform no, he will never. He never leaves, like, the north side of the city. He'll never step out. Uh, he actually was the reason why I moved out at 19, because one of my friends died in a fire a long time ago. 
and I went to their funeral. And at that time, I was living with my grandfather going to university, so I was taking a bunch of um, prereqs to go into nursing. And I came home, and he was a little saucier. I'll hit the whiskey a little hard, I should just say that, let's be real. Um, and my family was down from up north visiting, and he kind of called me out for going to this faggot's, his words, funeral. And then he started calling me one, and that was kind of like my last straw, because I I didn't want to listen to that. This is somebody that's kind of nurtured and took care of me growing up, and that really stung, because now I've kind of separated myself a little bit and I've started to find myself a little bit more and in a sense more in community with China and Lita and Vita and Brianna and Tyra and everybody else and Sharon that were around they were starting to become my family of more and more and that just really hurt and I was like nope done out so I got into my car and I worked my ass off so no he has not seen me perform I didn't talk to him for a few years after that incident which Sucked, but, you know, it was more for me. And maybe also for him, because he used to just like to talk about whoever, however he wanted. And with no repercussion, and I think, I hope, well, I don't hope, actually, it's rude. Um, I assume that me not talking to him affected him, because I was, I hate to say it, but probably his pride, because he only had girls, and my grandpa always wanted a boy, and I was that for him. So, Yeah. It's messy. It's messy, messy, messy. Um, but he has seen pictures of me do drag. He knows I do drag now. He is fine with it. I've showed him things. He doesn't really talk about it, though, unless I bring it up. But it's not. He doesn't divulge himself into it, which is okay. That's it's common ground. It's fine. It's this old German man that <laughs> had a hard life. So We all have wacky families. <laughs> yeah, we all have wacky families. <laughs> Hi, nice to meet you. I'm your Auntie Foxy. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> my beautiful Auntie Foxy, who I love so much. <laughs> and sweet. you have a lovely queer family now. Oh, my goodness. A uh, whole family wreath <laughs> of yeah. incredible people in and out of drag who love and support you for everything you. that you do. Yeah. And it seems that you take your drag family very, very, very seriously. And mm-hmm. people know you for that and people love you for that. Do you think that kind of stems from that? Oh, certainly. Just from, well, like I said at the beginning, traveling so much, I never really got to sit still. I never got that, um, you know, when you start school, you just, like start grade or kindergarten with somebody and you graduate with them. Mm-hmm. I always kind of wanted that and never got to sit in one place very long and get to know people or know my surroundings. And this is probably the longest I've actually had that. So everybody, my queer family, my drag family, I just admire and I love every darn bit and piece of them. They just inspire me. So you have played a huge part in a lot of new performers' lives, making them feel super comfortable in the local drag scene, which... I think is a fairly new concept just from what I've gleaned from other conversations and interviews with other people, this kind of like really hyper supportive environment that you create for people. So why is that so important for you? Or why do you do that? I guess. Foster new growth, right? Mm -hmm. I'm not going to be around forever. I mean, I probably will be like, I won't die. (laughs) 
Crypt Keeper. <laughs> Crypt Keeper. <laughs> one of those, the more ways. Uh, <laughs> no, I just... Kindness. Kindness. You foster new people and you always show kindness and treat kindness. And that's just my personal belief. And I want people to understand that that's just how everyone should kind of operate, whether they do or not. It's just the way my heart works. My mind works. Yeah, I don't even think I do have a, that mean of a bone in my body. <laughs> So we're going to introduce one of your hosts of the Mouses. She was Empress 11 and 18. My mother, she is amazing. She is a Gemma City. She is also a fucking legend. She obviously raised me like a But you're also the mother of the House of Beast. No, you're not. That's Tyra. No, the House of Beast is me. The House of Beast is you. Yes, ma'am. I just made it. Just created it. I finally found something that was mine. And that was I was really necessary for me. Boots was somebody that was like just juvenile, young. And it took me a while to even find that one. But I never really was comfortable with it. It never felt real with me. And then when I moved back home... Vita made me one of her drag daughters officially, and I took the Lamore name. It just it had such a nice flow with it. I felt so proud to have it. It was, I'm still very proud to have it. It's honestly made me who I am today too. That woman did lots for me. She's she's great. As I'm getting older, I want to be that for somebody else. I want to be that person for somebody else. There's houses, right? There's the Blasks, there's the Tequilas, there's the Sherlocks, there's the Lamorta Cosmos. All the Lamorta Cosmos are so many. <laughs> <laughs> I love you all. Um, and I just wanted that. I wanted to have my own house and I wanted to have my own path and my own walk, right? So that's what I'm creating. So then tell me about the House of Beast. The House of Beast. The House of Beast is just Foxy Amplified <laughs> with a few lovely people. I've got my baby girl, Frida, Frida Loader. I don't know if you all know Frida. <laughs> oh, don't. we know Frida. We know <laughs> Frida more should. than we should. <laughs> me too. <laughs> She's gross. Love her. Just loud, eccentric, just in your face. Everything I love about myself and who I've become, just that gregarious, kind, fun person. And And inviting. She's also so, she makes Club 200 feel like a home. And inviting, and exactly that. Yeah, and Moxie Cotton. Just the sweetest, just a sparkle in her eye. My two little beasts. So it's a house of three. The house of three. We'll slow down for now. I don't know if there's any more. I tend to drink a little bit and maybe say there's a few more, but I gotta gotta map that part out still. <laughs> so recently you took on Tyra Boinks as a drag mother. Yeah. Am I correct? Tell me a little bit about that. How'd that happen? Did. It was actually, I was taken by a surprise. It was my 30th birthday, and we just finished dinner and ended up at Club 200, and of course I was a little red-eyed because I did a few sake bombs and uh, she pulled me aside at the bar and, and held my hands and named me the solar of Boinks. I think there's a few other Boinks out there, maybe one or two more, but I'm the only drag daughter. 
the solar to the crab shack. So she gave the me some rules shack. as drag mothers do, some stipulations. And one of them was to find a name that was suited for me. And it was just so happened to be perfect because right when she said that, I was like, I've got the perfect last name. And it was so happened to be Beast. And she loved it. And then she had in her hands a pin and... Uh, it just so happened to be a crab pin, which is adorable. <laughs> I have yet to wear it because I'm so scared to lose it because me and jewelry, we just don't work. <laughs> I lost earrings, necklaces, you, all those things that you see me glued into my forehead, broken jewels. <laughs> really? I, oh, yeah. I was been wondering what those are. Oh, yeah, just I like necklaces that I got for um, Step Down as Princess this past year. The necklace just snapped, all the little clasps. And I was like, well... <laughs> I don't have time to brush my hair. You've seen my crunchy hair. What makes you think I'm going to sit and put together a necklace? So, <laughs> me in typical fashion, I'm going to glue this to my face. So I did. And yeah, so that was kind of, anyways, total segue. Yeah, I became the only drag daughter of the House of Boinks, which I love. It's all my heart. Like, I've known Tyra for years and years and years, and I've always just been her big blonde sister, and we've just... We've had so much fun and good laughs, and she's been one of the constants in my life, and always kind and compassionate, and just will tell me how it is, and I love that. Speaking of a name change, Moxie asked me to ask you this question. Tell me about how you got the nickname Foxanne. Foxanne, Tyra gave me Foxanne. Did she? Yeah, and I can't exactly remember how it all happened, but we were sitting on the patio, and she was in full drag in a big blonde wig, and I guess I just walked onto the Geo's patio, which is where she was sitting, and she was just like, yo, Foxanne! And just kept yelling it at me, and then that's just kind of how that originated. So, thanks, Tyra. (laughs) (laughs) They wouldn't give me Foxy on Instagram, which I'm still sour about. Even, like, any combination I make still won't let me have it. Bullshit. Bullshit. Smear campaign against the Foxy Beast Instagram account. God, don't they know who I am? <laughs> she doesn't. Better than Foxy the Moore, who was, may I remind you from our first interview, a porn actress. Oh, yeah, still. I told you that. my royalties, yes. Yeah, cut her a check. Bitch. Jesus Christ. I'm just kidding, girl, you're doing great work. Never yeah. seen it, and I'm okay. I'm proud of her. Sure. Me too. I think. Yeah. I imagine. As long as she's, she's living the truth. one that has the Instagram name. Oh, my gosh. start her check, actually. Let's do it. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to look it up. Uh, there's a hashtag Foxy Lamour, well, yeah. and it's all you. That's me, though. And I see this picture of you. Oh, so that was my campaign photo for when I was running for Miss Geo's. Wow. Mm-hmm. So that's three stacked green wigs that went to, like, the top of my booty crack. Uh, I know, it was gorgeous. I love that. I'm going to share that on Dragon the Peg, if that's okay. That's totally fine. And they're just, like, party stuff wigs, to be honest. But they had such nice shine. Literally just stack them all together, some safety pins, <laughs> shoved one in her hair. I actually had that wig curled and put into an updo, and I have a photo of me and Sharon Yo. together wearing that hair. I love that. Mm-hmm. Sharon, my beautiful mom. Oh, that's a good segue. So that's in the legendary <laughs> Tequila Beast drag room? No, I haven't seen that wig in years. <laughs> when I moved up north, a lot of my stuff went uh, It's DOA. Yes, it's gone with my... Miss Mardi Gras crown. It's the first Miss Mardi Gras of Winnipeg in all of Manitoba. Well, technically Brianna is. I was the first, like, I got crowned with it the first year that she, I guess, decided to actually run the pageant, mm-hmm. which I wanted so bad. 
It was me, Carmen Sutra, and Satina Loren all gunning for it. It was a two-night event, and it was in front of, what, five 5,000 people at the convention center. What? Yeah, and it was really good. So it was one of my first, like, big gigs. It was so cool. I lost wow. my hair the second night, and I got crowned with no hair on. It was wonderful. Wow. The first night, I jumped off of the six-foot stage, and I snapped my platform heel, and I kept <gasps> kicking. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. It was resilience. Great. They crowned uh, you for resilience. You, when you want something, you go get it, girl. <laughs> Is that still a pageant? No. This Mardi Gras? No, I think they stopped doing Mardi Gras a few years ago, about five years ago, which is pretty sad because it was actually so much fun. At they, the convention center, no less. Yeah, at the convention center. That's a big ass pageant. Well, it was like it wasn't a pageant. It was like a Mardi Gras event, and then there was a pageant oh. thrown into it Still. for more entertainment. So let's talk a little bit about Lita. So I've spoken to Lita about Chertu's relationship in the episode that already came out. Mm. And she told me about how you met. So from your perspective, how'd you two meet? You told me a really funny story last episode, and I want to repeat it. Oh, I don't you remember the to. story because my mind goes into waves of things. Well, then just tell me the truth. Well, the truth. I. What was it? Oh, the funny story of how we first met yeah. was the story I told at the beginning of this whole interview was when started making fun of me on mic. Oh, yeah. Um, Not uh, that one. The, like, the second, I guess, I don't even know if it was the second, one of the times she walked up and found me at the bar, and she was in full drag, and she was just like, yo, it's a four boy, show me your dick. <laughs> Lunch lady, it was, and I was like, oh, I scrunched my face up her, and I was like, no, and she's like, come on, I'm like, I don't think so, and she threw her hands up in the air, defeated, and she's like, well, fine, fuck you then, stormed <laughs> off. <laughs> ever since then <laughs> and now a long loving relationship and now she's seen it she's fine <laughs> <laughs> if you want something work for it persistence exactly persistence did I just say that yeah that's the something? theme of the episode I Perfect. think I love that um, so I know Lita only through drag I've only known her for a few months I know her for being super generous and funny and lovely and warm and loving but what's mm. it like dating Lita Tequila exactly all that yeah. Yeah. I can't even say anything against like against that. Not against that, but I can't even mm-hmm. take that down a notch. <laughs> Lita's wonderful. She goes at her way for everybody. She, again, exudes kindness, tries her best for everything, for herself, for her craft. Just a hundred thousand percent giving person. So you and Lita are known for hosting some very fabulous after parties where a lot of local queens like stop by and sometimes end up staying at your house. So a lot of people that I know think of your house as kind of like a second home to them. Mm-hmm. So why, why, why? We, as young queens way, way back when, somebody took care of us or no matter who it was, somebody always took us in and let us like stay there if we needed, let us borrow things. Um... China, Brianna, wonderful people, always just nurtured and gave us gave us what we needed and just supported us and uh, like that we wanted to we don't even we didn't want to be those people we just that's how we were raised to be so it just kind of followed suit that that's who we are again nurturing motherly coddling like you'll see me at after parties people are passed out I'll cover them in blankets and. <laughs> We'll always give her clothes. People need something to go home in because, I mean, sun's coming up. You're not going to leave with heels and your skanky little <laughs> dress that you were wearing the night before. I mean, some people do. I'm proud to do it, but 
hey, not everybody, right? <laughs> and especially in winter, it's nicer in sweats and a sweater. So, do you remember? Um, <laughs> do you remember the first time that I showed up at Club Two Hundred and Drake? I remember putting nails on you. You did. And do you remember what I said? You're my favorite person. I love you so much. I did say that. <laughs> but what else did you say? <laughs> I forget what I said, but I remember that you said. Uh-oh. I remember that you said somebody a long time ago did this for me, and I want to pass it on. Pass it forward. Again, you want to foster and nurture new people. Kindness, again. You just showcase all those things, and greatness comes. In the basement of yours <laughs> and Lita's house, in your drag room, you have a poster board that has what I think is... One of, if not the most important artifact of the Winnipeg drag scene ever. <laughs> I'm not kidding. It's a family tree written in Sharpie. Oh, yeah. It's a fabulous family tree written in Sharpie. I, yeah. I had to, I don't know who I made it for. I, maybe I was making it for Frida, and I was just drawing out a lineage of everything and where everyone comes from and how many people aren't here anymore and just how many people have shaped me and my my queer family life, my drag life, me as an individual. And it's magic. You don't actually understand until you see this family tree, like, how many... It is I magical. I just love it. It's just beautiful. And it's crazy. There's so many different twists and turns and knots and ties. And <laughs> and my name's on it, and you spelt the T weird, and somebody came downstairs and said, who the fuck is Confessa? Oh, yeah, my script is wonderful, but it's not always legible. No, it's it's one of the most magical things I think that I've ever seen related to drag. I think it's legendary, and I think that it's also, it made me realize that that's kind of one of the only documented pieces of our city's drag scene. Probably. Probably. Yeah. So there's this whole lineage of just families and, and stories that have never been told and have never been shared before. Mm, there's probably even people I'm missing on there, and I'm pretty sure there is. Mm -hmm. I love it. I'm going to redo it. I'll make it really nice. Maybe I'll incorporate some photos, because I think that's important for us, and not just us, for everybody to see. We are who we are, based on who's shown us and who's treated us well, and who's well or horrible or whatever. You still always remember those memories. <laughs> like, I'll never forget. Name redacted for privacy. One of my grannies. Um, I don't think she'll ever hear this, but it's fine. I remember her just ignoring me. Just every time I tried to talk to her, just turning her head and ignoring me blatantly. And just like, I felt like garbage. And I, that's an experience that I'll keep forever because I would never want to treat anybody like that. Again, good or bad, you still learn something. Is there anything else that you wanted to share? Anything you want people to know about Foxy Beast? Oh my goodness. Come to my next show. <laughs> <laughs> If you want to talk to me in person, I ask me questions. I'm more than happy to talk to you. I don't need to divulge my insides out. It may seem extroverted. I'm pretty introverted and very, very recluse. And I like to just nook away in my home with some, some ganja and some food and my <laughs> wife and whoever just so happens to pop by that day. Thank you so much for sitting down with me. And on behalf of... Every drag baby in the city, thank you for everything that you've done for us. You're magical, and I love you so much. Whoa, thanks. Thanks for having me. <laughs> you took that so blasé. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much to Foxy for sitting down with me. We've nearly made it to the end. 
Our next episode is the finale of season one, and if you've been paying close attention, I'm certain you can guess which local legend will be joining me in the studio for the very last time this season. In the climate of Winnipeg's current drag scene, it feels like nearly every path traces back to her. So, I'll give you no more hints. Let's just let her speak for herself, shall we? The sky is so big and daunting and changing and can be ferocious and can be tranquil. And so I wanted to be something, I wanted to emulate some of that power that a prairie sky has. Because I've lived in mountainous regions, I've lived in a jungle, I've lived in a forest, and nothing ever makes you feel as tiny but as connected as like a prairie sky. Don't forget to follow Dragon the Peg on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram for photos, extra content, and news on upcoming drag shows in our city. And of course, thank you so much to Claire Boning of Veneer for the incredible intro and outro music, and to Red River College for letting me use your audio equipment. Until next episode, remember to always tip your local drag queens.